Welcome to Orchard Community Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We are glad you are here to learn, grow, and deepen your relationship with Christ. This week's message is brought to you by Pastor Matt Hoyt. Barbara Hutton, she was the heir to the Woolworths department store Fortune. When she was uh, six years old in 1933, she inherited $50 million dollars. Now, that sounds impressive, but that's 1933 money. Today, that would be the equivalent of about $983 million. That's a lot of money. She was dubbed the poor little rich girl by the press, and that was because she received this inheritance when her mother committed suicide. And she had a really difficult uh, childhood, even though her family was very wealthy. Her father was absent and working most of the time. Her mother was kind of a tortured soul. And she was just a, a deeply insecure person. But nonetheless, by the time she turned 21, all of that $983 million by today's standards became available to her. So what do you think that she began to do? Spend. Yeah. And she began to spend like there was no tomorrow. She was kind of a compulsive shopper. She spent millions on jewelry, including museum-worthy pieces that belonged to notable people from history like Marie Antoinette. She bought exquisite works of art, high fashion, and gifts for family and friends and all kinds of, of people. And She also was married seven times. She had uh, seven husbands, including two princes, a count, and Cary Grant, the Hollywood star. They called them Cash and Cary. He's Cary and she was Cash. I know, I know. She also had a bunch of different uh, affairs, and all of those things cost her money. So in 1979, when she died young, at the age of 66, she was on the brink of bankruptcy. So can you imagine with me for just a moment what it might be like to spend $983 million? I mean, it almost sounds like so much money that it would seem like it would be a job, like it would be work to actually try and spend that kind of money. But you know, I'd be willing to to give it a shot, you know, (laughs) to see just how easy or how difficult that might be. But here is maybe the most amazing thing about this story. And it's this, this story as fantastic as it is, is not unique. In fact, research shows that when a family amasses a fortune, 60% of the time it is completely gone by the time the uh, the children die, and 90% of the time it's gone by the time the grandchildren die. Isn't that amazing that it only lasts a, a generation or two? You know, we think about generational wealth, and there is such a thing, but maybe not quite as much as we think sometimes. And what's the reason for that? Well, in some cases, money is squandered, like with this, with this lady. But many times, the main reason is that the people who inherit this money simply don't know how to manage it wisely and responsibly. And there's a lesson in that for all of us that 
that those things don't just happen by accident. You gotta put some effort into managing things wisely and responsibility. Well, today we are continuing on in our series this, uh, for this season called Greatly Gifted. It's our stewardship series for this year. And we talked about last week how this word stewardship is kind of an old churchy word. And, you know, I'm not really fond of old church speak, but stewardship is a word that as old as it is, it's actually an important word. It's, it's one that's worth hanging on to for us. Stewardship comes from the word steward, and a steward in the biblical times was a person, could be a slave or a free person, that was put in charge of another person's finances in a state. They were a manager. And so stewardship, this biblical word, really means that everything that we have and everything that we are belongs to God, and that our role then really is to be good stewards or managers of all those things that God has given to us, entrusted us with. So we want to use them wisely and responsibly. We want to take care of them. And of course, we want to be generous with them just as God is generous with us. And the reality is, we touched quite a bit on this last week, that God is incredibly generous God has gifted us with so many things. God has given us our families and our friends and all the things that we have and all the things that that we are. And as much as we may know that, there's still this human failing that we have where it's so easy for us to slip into taking the gifts we have for granted and taking the giver of those gifts for granted as well. So this year, as we're talking about stewardship, in order to try not to fall into that pitfall or maybe not to fall into it so deeply, we're really focusing on the fact that we have indeed been so greatly gifted from God and seeking to respond with gratitude. So we began our series last week with that really foundational truth that I mentioned, that everything that we have actually belongs to God and has been gifted and trusted to us. And we're gonna continue this week by talking about the fact that our call with those things that we've been gifted is really to seek to be wise with them, to seek to be responsible with the gifts that we've been given, to care for them, to use them in ways that glorify God and be generous with them. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. So pray with me, friends, let's pray. Lord, we just pray as we always do, that your spirit would be at work with power in our hearts this morning, that as we open the scripture, uh, Lord, by faith it would come alive as your word to our hearts, Lord, as your word to our church, as your word to our world, Lord, and let the power of your word have its transforming effect in all those places where it lands. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be looking this morning at what is sometimes known as the parable of the talents. It's found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. So this is a story that Jesus told. I want to invite you to follow along if you've got your Bible. So listen as as Jesus tells this story or this parable. It says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and gained five bags more. 
So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold um, also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold and I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belonged to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So says Jesus in Matthew 25. Well, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells three parables, and this is the third of those parables. That's why it begins with the word again. And each of these parables is really about how we are supposed to live in this time before Jesus comes again. So with verse 14, Jesus begins to tell this story. And the story is about a wealthy man, a master, who clearly represents God and about some servants, some different servants who represent us. The word for servant here is doulos in the Greek. It can mean servant or slave, but most often it referred to slaves. So that's probably the actual meaning of here, although we can't be 100% sure. But it was common, as I mentioned, in uh, biblical times for wealthy masters to go on long journeys. And when they did, sometimes even when they were home, they entrusted their wealth to uh, trained managers or stewards who uh, would uh, either be a servant or a slave, just as the master does here. So when they did go on a trip, though for sure they would entrust the money to the steward. And what the goal was, was that the steward would take the master's money and would put it to work to make a profit, just like the master would do if the master were at home. And this, in fact, was the whole point of entrusting the money to his, the servants when the master had went away. The master could have put the money in the bank himself, but bank interest rates were really low back then like they are now. Uh, and so there was a lot more money to be made if someone were managing it. And so that's the reason that the, the master entrusts his money to these servants. So before he leaves, look at verse 15. The master gives five bag of bags of gold to one servant and two bags to another. 
together and one to a third. Now, the Greek text literally says talents, gave one five talents, gave another two talents, and gave another one. Our modern translation says bag of gold because that's a little easier maybe for us to comprehend. A talent is actually hard to understand because it wasn't a denomination of money. It was actually a measure of weight. And so at different places in different times, a talent equaled uh, X number of uh, grams or ounces of gold or silver. But scholars uh, feel like uh, they, an estimate of how much a talent might be worth would be somewhere between five years and 25 years wages for the typical labor in that time. So it was a huge, even one talent was five years wages. It was, these were huge amounts of money. Even, even for the one who received only one, the master was showing that, that he had some significant confidence in the servants to manage his money while he was away. And notice also that it says that he gave them these amounts according to their ability. So the master was thoughtful didn't give any of them more than he really believed that they were ready to handle at that particular time. And I think that's really reflective of the way that God is with us. God has confidence in us to manage what we've been given, and God is also careful not to give us more than he believes that we can manage if we rely on him. Now notice verses 16 and 17. They tell us about the servants who received five bags of gold and the one who received two. Notice what they did. It says at once. They went at once and they put the money to work. There's almost a sense of th that they're kind of excited. They're kind of chomping at the bit. As soon as that money lands in their hands, at once they go to put it to work. And their enthusiasm pays off, doesn't it? The, five, the man who had five gets five and the one who had two gains two more. And you can look at the verbs that Jesus uses here. He, they went, they worked, and they gained. Actually, that word gained is won. They went, they worked, and they won is literally what it says. And they did win. They won because they did exactly what their master had expected of them to do. Doubling one's investment, interestingly, was uh, really doable and common back in that time. So a good slave, a good servant should have been able to do that most of the time if they invested well, and that's what these two did. So the, the key thing here is that these two slaves faithfully went out and did what their master expected them to do. They were faithful in doing that, and in this case, they, they happened to fulfill all that he had hoped would happen if they were faithful. But then with verse 18, we come to the third servant, don't we? The one who had just one talent. And the key thing that we need to recognize as we're reading this story is that he was not faithful in doing what the master expected of him to do. Instead of putting the money to work, that he'd been given, like the others, he buried it in the ground. Now, a little background, folk wisdom at the time said burying money in the ground was the safest thing that you could possibly do. So there is that in the background here. Uh, he was uh, being safe with it. Um, but it also kind of seems that maybe one of his goals was not to do any work, <laughs> not to 
have any responsibility, just to play it safe. And yet, by doing so, we need to realize that he was disobedient. He didn't do what his master asked him to do, and he, he squandered, he wasted the potential profit that the master wanted him to go out and seek to try and make. And that's a really good question for each of us to really think about. God has given us each many things and trusted us with those things. And are we doing what we believe God would want us to do with those things, with the things he's entrusted with us? Or are we shirking that responsibility? Or maybe are we too timid or afraid to do something more than to bury things in the ground um, and play it super, super safe? Because that's not really what God has asked us to do. Now look at verse 19. The master returns to settle accounts. And in verses 20 through 23, we hear the report of the first two slaves. And as you'd expect, the master is really pleased. They had faithfully done what he expected. They had uh, taken what they were given and they put it to work. And even though it wasn't expected uh, from, of the master uh, for a slave who was simply doing their job, first of all, the master praises them, which is really nice. Would have been a little bit out of the ordinary, but not, not too much. But then the master does something extraordinary. Notice what the master does. He rewards them. In verse 21, he says, come and share in your master's happiness. And a, a translation of that would be, come, eat, drink, and be merry with me. Let's, let's party, you know? So important also to notice that the people hearing Jesus tell this story, as he's speaking this parable, they would have thought, wow, that is the coolest master ever in the history of masters, because this was totally unexpected, something no master would normally do. This, in their minds, would have been a very unusual and generous master. And notice something, too. That both servants received the same reward, and that's really important. They received the same reward because the point was not how much money they made. They were rewarded because they were faithful in doing what their master expected of them to do. That is why they received that reward. Further, the master tells them that because they've done, been faithful with a little, they'll be given more. And that's how God tends to work in our lives, and we sometimes forget that. I think there are times when we're wishing God would give us more, and one of the factors that we have to ask ourselves is, well, am I actually managing what I already have in a way that is pleasing to God or not? Because if I'm not, then why would I have this expectation that God would give me more to be disobedient with? That's just not how God rolls. Now, uh, not everything we get comes directly from God. Certainly there are people in the world who receive things out of happenstance or, or in different ways. But when we're talking about our relationship with God, if we're wanting him to give us more, then we need to examine how faithful we're being with what we have been given. This is 24 through 25. The servant who is given one bag of gold comes to the master. And, and what he says here is, is really interesting. And we have to kind of interpret it. It says this, he says, Master, in verse 24, I knew that you are a hard man who harvests where you did not sow and gathers where you 
uh, did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So the question that we're left with when we hear the words of the servant is, are those words true? Or is the servant just making an excuse for himself? And we have to kind of try to figure that out. So, the, so let's think on that for a moment. Well, for, for one thing, does this picture that this servant has just painted, does that match so far with what we've seen of this master? And in fact, it really doesn't does it? Because we just saw this master who not only praised servants who were faithful, but rewarded them, something way beyond any expectation. What we've seen of this master so far is he's thoughtful. He believed in his servants, so he entrusted them with these things. He was thoughtful about how much he gave them, and when they were faithful with it, he rewarded them beyond anything that anybody would expect. And notice verse 26, the master then has an assessment in return for this servant. And he calls the servant wicked and lazy. That's his assessment of the situation. And something that's really important for us to know, that most likely the people listening to Jesus would have agreed with that assessment. Because these were people that were very familiar with stewards and how they worked. And they would have said, well, this servant knew exactly what the master expected. So he was disobedient. Of course he's wicked. He's a disobedient servant. He blatantly disregarded what his master expected him to do. And they would have said beyond that he was careless because he he didn't look out for the master's property in the way that he should. He squandered the opportunity to at least try to put that money to work and to make a profit. And we need to really consider the logic here because the master didn't give this servant money so he could bury it in the ground. The master could have done that himself and saved the trouble of the whole transaction. The master gave the money to the servants specifically with the intent that they would put it to work and do what he asked, and this servant simply did not do what he was supposed to do. Now, after making this strong statement, the master then kind of turns the servant's words back on him. He says, so you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And, and what he's kind of saying there is, if you really thought that I was such a hard guy, If you really, really believed that, wouldn't that have motivated you to do exactly what I said? Wouldn't that have been the thing you'd have been afraid of, that you'd get it from me if you didn't do what I said? So isn't what you're saying here just an excuse? Isn't that really what's going on here is what the master is kind of saying? And it's interesting when he says that what little you have will be taken from you. And given to others, it's interesting that's not the first time Jesus has said that. Back in chapter 13, Jesus said the same thing, and for Jesus to repeat something, it means there's some real emphasis on it. And the reason is that's how God works. I'm not going to keep giving us more. Maybe he'll say, if you haven't been faithful, what you, ha- what you have, we should decrease that a little bit and so that you have less responsibility and you can figure out how to manage what you have. 
Well, in the end, the master simply gave this servant what he asked for, if you think about it. Really gave this servant what his actions had already chosen, if, if you think about it. Because the, the servant had already chosen to disobey the master, not to honor him. He'd already shown that the relationship was not really of value to him. It wasn't important. And so with verse 30, the, the, the master responds and says, okay, if, if the, your relationship with me is worth so little that you won't even do what I ask, then let's not have one. So he puts him out of the house and uses that proverbial saying that we get a lot in, in Matthew, which is outside where there was wailing and gnashing of teeth, which is, of course, a figurative statement, you know, because it's not like there's a bunch of people sitting outside everybody's door wailing, you know, it's just a figurative statement. But it, but it, but it is symbolic of judgment. And what it means is that our, our actions have consequences. Then what we do matters. If we choose to honor God, that matters. If we choose not to honor God, that matters too and has an impact on our life. Now, we always remember that in Jesus we have grace so that even when we blow it, we know that there is a chance to start over and to have forgiveness. Before we move on, though, I want to touch on one more thing. I want to take a moment to touch on God's call for us to be wise and responsible when it comes to the gift of the earth. Uh, I mentioned last week that as a part of our stewardship series this year, we're, we're touching on the fact that, that we have a call from God to care for the planet that we live on and that we wanted to include that very specifically uh, as a feature of our understanding of stewardship this year. And so I wanted us to look at one other verse this morning. This is from Genesis because it really says something that's important for us. Genesis 2.15 now, if you remember, in Genesis 1, God creates the earth and he, he essentially gives it to humanity. He says, you're going to rule over this and you're going to have dominion over the earth. And then we get into chapter 2, and in verse 15, God is speaking to Adam and he says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. It's really important. This is Genesis chapter 2. This is before Adam and Eve mess up and sin and the fall happens and, and as a part of the fall, uh, the result is that God says working the land is going to be a lot harder now because your sins even affected the creation. But even before the relationship got messed up, even before sin happened, right here, Genesis 2, very, very early on in the story of humanity, it says that God entrusted care of the earth to humanity, to work and to take care of it. And so this call for us to understand caring for the earth as a part of our stewardship really is a biblical call. It's a spiritual thing. And I think sometimes in the church, we've tended to forget that and just to think, well, you know, that's just something that some people are interested in. But it's really a spiritual call for every single one of us to be taking care of the planet that we live on. God has gifted us with many, many things. And our call is to be faithful with the things that we have, managing them wisely and responsibility. This is really the heart of biblical stewardship, and it's a spiritual thing. All that I have, all that I am, to be used not just to provide for me, but to be used in part for God's glory. 
It's really about seeking to live the faith that we've been called to. Um, it's not, it's called for us to live not just seeking to get things for ourselves, but to use what we have for God's glory. So what does managing the things that we have, the things that we've been given in a wise and responsible way, well, what does that look like? There's a lot we could say, but I wanna lift up three things. And the first thing is this, being wise and responsible with the things that God has given us starts, first of all, with us simply seeking to take care of those things. We need to take care of the things that God has gifted us with. Now, right off the bat, that means not squandering them so that they uh, run out way quicker than they should and, and we, we don't reap the, the benefit of the potential that they have in our life to be put to good use in many different ways. So taking care, acting wisely and responsible is first of all not squandering those things, but second of all, it really also taking care of those things is not mistreating, not misusing, not failing to adequately take care of or to maintain the things that we have. That car that you have is a gift and maintaining it well is a part of stewardship. The home that you have is a gift and taking care of it so that it lasts is part of stewardship. You've been given a body by God and it's a wonderful gift and managing and maintaining your health is part of your biblical call to stewardship. The things that we have given are valuable and useful, and God has given to them to us out of his care for us to provide for us. Taking care of what we, not taking care of what we've been given, disrespects the gifts, and it disrespects the giver. But by contrast, Taking care of the things that God has given us respects those gifts. It's, it shows our appreciation for, our respect for those gifts and our appreciation and respect for the giver of those things, for the Lord. So taking care of things also has a practical bent because it preserves their value, enables us to get full use out of them. I'm gonna tell you a little quirky thing about myself, all right? I have a phone cord in my office from, for my iPhone, and it's the first iPhone phone cord I ever got. I've had about five iPhones because they last a few years, but this cord still works. Everyone else in my family has gone through 4,700 cords, all right? <laughs> But my first one still works, and it even kind of came apart, and I put some adhesive on there. You know, I mean, it looks like it'd electrocute you now if you grabbed it wrong, and its days are numbered. But one of the things that I like about it is that I've taken care of it, and it's lasted much longer than it was even supposed to last, because I'm weird, okay? But... I think there is something to that. The things that we have been gifted with, if we take care of them, we honor the gift, we honor the giver, and we derive so much more usefulness out of those things. So practically, it saves us money. I didn't have to buy 40 cords. I bought a few more because you need more than one. But it's practical. It saves us money. The second thing is it uses less 
resources in the world. We, we, we live in a world where resources are limited, and if we can use less by simply taking good care of the things we have, that's an honorable thing for us to do. It also means that we're discarding less things to be put into landfills. Some can be recycled. Did you all know that only 9% of recyclables get recycled? Nine percent. So recycling is good, but buying less stuff is even better if we can make the things that we have last longer. And it's the same with taking care of our bodies. We don't want to squander our health. We want to preserve it so that we have long lives. We want to honor that gift and so that we can use our days to glorify God and serve him. Taking care of the planet means seeking to avoid doing damage to it and seeking to repair whatever damage has been done as much as we are able. This is a very holistic and a very biblical approach to stewardship, and we need to take that in. So being wise and responsible with the things that God has given us starts with us taking care of them, number one. Number two, but being wise and responsible with the things that God has given us is also about realizing that God's goal in giving them to us was not just to provide for us. That's part of it, but he's also given us those things so that we might use them in part for his glory. Whatever you have, a big amount or a small amount, God has given it to you not just to provide for you, but so that you can use it for his glory. So we need to ask ourselves, how can I use the things that I have to serve God? We need to take stock of what we have and begin looking for opportunities to put the things that we have to use for God. We need to do this even with our most prized and valuable possessions as well as our money, our time, and our talent. Because again, God didn't give them to us just for our benefit, but so that we could use them in part to do wonderful things in his name. This is one of God's main provisions for the inequities of this world. And we need to understand that. We look at the world and we say it's unfair, and we say, God, you should do something about that. And God's like, well, I was hoping you would. That's why I've given you as much as I have. And the problem is that that's one of God's provisions and we often don't get on board. So we each need to ask, what are the things that I have and how can I use them for God's glory? So we need to take care of those things and we need to realize that they were given not just to provide for us, but before God, for God's glory. The third thing is this, and this may seem counterintuitive, but it's really in, uh, embedded in this story. Being wise and responsible with what God has given us means that we take some risks with it. Absolutely, at the heart of this story is the reality that God calls us to put the things we have to use and there is risk inherent in doing that. Because the reality is that sometimes when we're generous, people are gonna take advantage of us. The reality is that sometimes if I lend a possession to someone, they may damage it. Or if I use one of my possessions in God's service, it may get damaged. Or maybe we'll put money or time or effort into something in God's name and we'll fail. The slaves who uh, could have lost all the money they were given when they went out and put it to work, that was a possible outcome of, of doing that. But they... 
knew what the master wanted and they went out and they put that money to work and that's what we're supposed to do. And I have to tell you that I 100% believe this. I 100% believe that God was, would be much more pleased with us if we went out and we used a bunch of our resources to do something in his name and we failed, he would be much happier with that than if we never tried. Because that's what the servant in the story did. He didn't even try, he just buried it in the ground. And notice what he was happy about is the others were faithful. Not even so much that they made money. That was the icing on the cake. We all want to be successful. So I say, let's go out and try. And if we're going to fail, fail boldly, right? (laughs) Often we think too small. Sometimes because we selfishly want to just keep most of what we have for ourselves and so we just invest a little bit with God. But a lot of times because we just lack vision or maybe we're afraid. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to take some risks. Part of being wise and responsible with what we've been given is taking some risks. And a hard truth, as I mentioned, is that we shouldn't expect to receive more from God if we're not willing to be faithful to God with that which we already have been given. So finally, finally, friends, remember that we often won't even know the return on the investments we've made for God. I mean, Sometimes what looks like failure to us has consequences behind the scenes or down the road where good things happen. Our responsibility is not the outcome. Our responsibility is not whether the, the endeavor was faith was successful or not. We certainly hope they're successful. Our responsibility is to be faithful and to trust the results of our faithfulness to God. And sometimes that will yield good things that we are never even aware of. So our call is to be faithful and to trust God with the results. God owns it all and he has greatly gifted us. So may we manage what we have been given in wise and responsible ways, including taking the risk to put those things to work for God's glory. Amen. Pray with me. Loving God, we know the lure of wealth and possessions and how much they can distract us from what is good and right and from you and your call on us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be wise and responsible managers of what you've given us, people who are willing even to take risks to put those things to work for you. In Jesus' name, amen.